Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams shares week two of the series, Gideon. In this message, Brandon challenges us to get our butts out of the way. With that, he means that all too often we give excuses to God about why we can't do something. What in your life is God calling you to finally step out and do? Morning, church. How's everybody doing? Hope y'all are good. You excited to be here? Yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait to see what all God does uh, through His Word today. I'm excited about this series we're doing. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, but a couple of things I really, really, really want to encourage you guys in to take part in um, are two things that are coming up. And one of them is pretty much consistent all the time. One of them is happening um, on February the 26th. We're doing our next round of baptisms. And so if you, have, if you are a believer in Christ and you've never been baptized as a believer in Christ, we believe that your next step is baptism. And so we want you to take your next step of faith and, and sign up at a next steps table to be baptized. We're going to do this at Splash in the Borough. Um, it, it'll be taking place from 4 to 5.30. It'll be an awesome time for us to fellowship, awesome time to uh, um, see some people take their next step and proclaim publicly uh, their relationship with Jesus and the fact that they're trusting him to take them from death to life and they're trusting him for their eternal salvation, which is an awesome thing. We never get tired of seeing that take place. The other thing I want to encourage you with, if you are not in a connect group, I really want to encourage you to get into a connect group. That's our small groups. Everything we do at this church that is, is a means to an end of getting you into a small group. We believe that that is where we grow the closest to Christ. That's where we grow the closest to each other. That is where um, we do life together. And so we want you to be a part of one of these groups. And you can sign up for those again at the Next Steps table. Just look for a green sign. Um, and there should be people there with blue shirts who can help you. So um, just... You'll, you'll, uh, you'll figure it out. Just look for the green sign and sign up for a connect group. We'll get you plugged in. So um, really excited about seeing people's lives change through the, this discipleship and, and uh, all that God does through those groups. All right. Today we're going to continue our, um, our, our Gideon series. We're going to start out, uh, we started out last week looking at Gideon. We started out looking at how the Israelites had turned away from God. And yet when they cried out to God, God stepped in and delivered them from their oppression. And we talked about how God desires, God is willing to step into our lives whenever we're willing to cry out to him and surrender our hearts to him. Today I'm excited because we're going to look at the call of Gideon. We're going to actually look at when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Gideon, you're going to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of Midian. And, and it's a fascinating section of scripture. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 6. If you don't have them, it's cool. It'll be up on the screen. But, but Judges 6, we're going to begin reading in uh, verse 11. And we'll read through uh, the very, very, very beginning of 13. And then we're going to jump in here. Um, I believe that God's going to do some awesome things in our hearts today. Judges 6, 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Listen to these first four verses or four uh, words in verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have, God, to worship you. And God, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. God, do something that only you can do today, and that is create us in the image of your son. We would be more like you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in a powerful 
and mighty way in the hearts of your people. God, um, my prayer is that we come seeking you. Because God, I know when we seek you, we'll find you. So Lord, show up in a very real and powerful and mighty way here today. Shake us at the core of our being. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, how many of you have ever been in a situation, and it may have been where you're listening to a favorite song, riding down the road, windows down, whatever, or, or maybe you've been in a, a, before a game um, like, like I have, but, but you were in a moment where you felt like right now I could run through a brick wall. You ever had that feeling? Anybody actually try it? I, mean, I didn't know. I just you know, get carried away with it. But, but you've had that feeling like, man, right now, I can run through a brick wall. Nothing can stop me. I am unstoppable. It's that whole thing of feeling like 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? You could just bam, run through whatever. Nothing could stop you. I remember um, when I was in high school and and we, we have a football game on Friday night and you practice so hard during the summer and you're getting ready for Friday night. And, and that was one of those times when right before the game where everybody was excited, you were all together. You're like, man, I got your back. I got your back. We're going to go. We're going to fight. We're going to do this. Da, 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 da. And everybody's so excited. Adrenaline's flowing. Everybody's ready to go. And I remember when we were, were, were in the locker room and out of nowhere, just like the weeks before, right? It's like unexpected, but expected. We would be in there, adrenaline flowing. Everybody's pumped up. And all of a sudden, we'd hear this. Right, right. Okay, that's good, that's good. Nobody knows what he's saying anyway, so let's stop it right there. Like, I've listened to that song as long as I can remember, and I finally figured out the words this week because I Googled them, right? And so we would be in the locker room, and man, that song would come on, and it was just like a bunch of sharks with blood in the water, man. We're like, oh, I want to kill somebody. It was so crazy. I mean, because I don't understand how a song sang by four guys that look like girls could get you so fired up. But it does. And man, we were like, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready. And we'd run out on the field. You know, we were ready to go, ready to do whatever it took. And we felt like, man, we can run through the wall. We can do whatever we want to do or whatever we need to do, whatever's in front of us, it is not stopping us. We're going to do this. And I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about this message that God had put on my heart, and I thought about the fact that, listen, if we can feel like that before a football game, if we can feel like that because we heard a song sang by four guys that look like girls, if we can feel that way about those things, shouldn't we even feel more that way when we know that the God of the universe that created everything and holds it together has got our back? Shouldn't we feel even more like that, that we know that this God who is all powerful, all knowing is there with us all the time, that he is, he's there, that, that, that he's with us, he's for us. Shouldn't we feel even more like that? When we wake up every morning and we put our feet on the floor, that the first thing we realize is this. God is with me. God is for me. Nothing can stop me. But here's the thing that I know. That I can stand up here and I can tell you the exact words that God told Gideon. I can say, behold, mighty warrior. I can say, God is with you. But you know what happens most of the time for for you and for me? 
When we hear that, when we hear God's with me, I can take my next step of faith. I can do that next thing that God's put on my heart. I can do whatever it is God needs me to do, God calls me to do. I can do that. And, and, and you know what typically we, we, we say as soon as we hear those words? But sir, but sir. And I can tell you, man, you've been called by Christ. If you're in Jesus, the power of God is within you. Do what your hand finds to do. Do what God puts in your heart to do. Take your next step of faith as you follow him. But the thing is that we've got to get to a place where our reply is not, but sir. This is kind of corny. But I felt like what the Lord told me we needed to do today is get our butts out of the way. Kind of stupid, I know. But I really believe that. I believe that so many times God says, do this. So many times God says, do that. And the thing that we end up saying is, but, but God, don't you, know, don't you know this? Don't you know that? The reality of it is we can do what God calls us to do. We can do everything God created us to do. And today, my goal is not that you leave here feeling like you can run through a wall, not that you leave here believing you can run through a wall, not that you leave here and for the love of God, please don't try to run through a wall. Not that you believe here even, or you leave here even knowing you can run. Listen, my desire today is that we look at this scripture and the Holy Spirit so convinces us at the core of our being that when we leave here, we go out and we don't let any obstacle stand in our way of doing what God has called us to do. Right? That we can leave this place today so set on fire by the Holy Spirit of God that when we walk out of these doors, we literally go and we become the hands and the feet of Christ that changes not only a community but an entire world. That's what God's called us to. It's to be the light of the world that shines brightly in the darkness. I want you to hear very clearly, you can do what God created you to do. We look at these verses. One of the things I really want to encourage you with today is this: the the great the great hero of the Bible, Gideon, that we always hear about, that that the kids learn about in Sunday school, that that that, that we've talked about. If you've been in church, you've heard messages preached on him. The thing I want to encourage you with today, people, is this: that Bible hero had he had butts like out the, I mean, he had a bunch of butts. I mean, there were things that were hindering him from, from doing what God called him to do. And yet we're going to see in the scripture, we're going to see all the things that he said, this is why I can't do what God created me to do, what he's calling me to do. And today my prayer is that not just by my words, but by the power of his spirit, that he would remove whatever it is that's hindering you from doing what God's called you to do. See, I don't know what your next step is, but I know this, most of you do. And this is the other thing I know, that if you don't know, if you ask God, he will show you. Maybe your next step is salvation. Maybe it's finally trusting Jesus for your salvation. Maybe your next step is to be baptized. Maybe your next step is to step up and get in a connect group. Maybe your next step is to lead a connect group. I don't know what it is, but it's time we get all the butts out of the way so we can step in and do what God's called us to do. Because understand this, your next step is not just about you. It's about the other people that it's going to impact when you take one step after another in pursuit of Jesus. It's not just about us. 
It's about what happens when we individually begin to follow Christ and then collectively we literally, through the power of the Spirit of God, become an unstoppable force. And so today I want us to look at some of these, these buts that Gideon had. I mean, literally, the angel that tells him, Behold, mighty warrior, God is with you. His reply is, But, sir. The first but that, that, that Gideon had to get out of the way, and possibly you have to get out of the way, is this. That, that God had to deal with Gideon's cowardice. God had to deal with Gideon's fear. To put it plainly and simply, Gideon was scared. You ever been scared to do what God's telling you to do? Like you know that you know whether it came from scriptures, you heard somebody tell you something, um, maybe in a prayer time, whatever it is. You just know like my next, I need to do this. You're scared. We've all been there. We're following Christ. He has asked us to do something that we were like, I don't think I can do that because I'm scared. Because I'm scared. Listen, Gideon is is in a wine press threshing wheat. If wheat was supposed to be threshed in a wine press, it would have been called a wheat press, right? A wine press was a hole that was dug and it was literally a pit that people would get in and they would stomp out the grapes. They would make the wine in these, these pits. But when you thresh wheat, what you would do is you would go on what they call a threshing floor. It was an area that was open where the wind could blow and you would take a winnowing fork. You would throw the wheat up into the air and what would happen is the, the, chaff, the chaff would be blown away by the wind and the good seed would fall. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. Yet when the angel comes to Gideon, here's what's happening. Gideon is in a wine press threshing wheat. Why do you think Gideon might have been in a hole? Scared. He's scared to death. I mean, the Bible tells us that the Midianites were like locusts. They were everywhere. They were tearing them apart. They were destroying everything. What's Gideon doing? He's down in a hole trying to get enough grain to go back and feed his family. He was scared. And here's the crazy thing about this. The angel shows up. Gideon is down in a hole trying to get this wheat, trying to get something for his family to eat. And the angel shows up and says what? Behold, mighty warrior. You know, Gideon's looking over his shoulder. Who's he talking to? I'm scared to death. Mighty warrior. Oh my, God is with you. Really? Because I'm scared. And yet this angel shows up and he begins to call Gideon a mighty warrior. He begins to describe the call that is on Gideon's life. He begins to tell Gideon, your next step is you are going to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. If I was real honest, and if you were real honest today, there's probably something that God's calling us to do, a step he's calling us to take individually. If we were real honest, it scares us. If we were real honest, we could say we were, we were literally in fear about whatever it is that God's calling us to do or whatever it is that we're facing. And the truth is that fear paralyzes does it not doesn't fear paralyze you oh, when you're scared you can't do it perfect example the other night i get home susan pulls in the driveway same time i pull in the driveway it's already dark 
I get out. She's like, Miranda, we need to really make sure all our doors are locked. Everything's secure. I'm like, okay, why? She said, some neighbors saw a man in their driveway standing there. All right. And then the next night they heard somebody walking around the house. Okay. And so I'm like, dang, that is scary. And so I realized like, uh, that, that, that our, 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 our office in our shop area was unlocked. I was like, I need to go lock it. And so knowing that there might be an intruder snooping around the house somewhere, I did what every Southern man does when they're scared. I got my shotgun. <laughs> got a couple of buckshot and I'm walking to the back. But you know, even though I had the shotgun, I'm still scared. And I'm trying to walk back there and there's no lights on. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I swear to you, I swear, I, I thought I heard the Friday 13th music come on. <laughs> it was like, ka, 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 cha, 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 wherever it goes. I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm looking around and then your shadows start turning into people. And I'm literally like, I don't want to keep walking. I don't want to keep walking. And then I'm like, suck it up, you big baby. And so I go on back and I make sure everything's locked up. And, and I come back in. But it literally makes you like this paralyzed where you can't take your next step. Because I just knew like he had to be around the corner. I went locked and everything was fine. But listen, man, fear paralyzes us. It keeps us from wanting to take our next step. Gideon was afraid to take his next step. But here's the good news. God knew that Gideon's life did not have to be defined by fear but it could be defined by victory. That it didn't have to define whether or not he took his next step. Because here's the awesome thing about it. God saw more in Gideon than Gideon ever saw in himself. And what I want to tell you today, people, is this. Listen, take courage. God sees more in you than you see in you. God can do more in you than you can do in your, and of yourself. God's desire is to use you, to, to encourage you. Listen, the angel is like, I'm with you. Go do what it is that God's telling you to do. And what I would say to you today, folks, is listen, if you are in Christ, God is with you. If you're not you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would advise you strongly, take care of that today. But you can do what God's called you to do, and fear does not have to define your life. The second thing I say, listen to verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Listen, sir, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever been in that place? We're like, really, God, if you're with me, why? I mean, what, what, what in the world, God? Have you ever been in that where you're just like, why? If he really loves me, why did this happen? And I'm going to be very honest with you today. I can't tell you the specific reason that something unpleasant, bad, even, even horrifying happened in your life. But I do know this. That God is good and that God has a good plan. And you may not always be able to see it, but I'm telling you, he does. And see, so here's the problem. When bad things happen to us, this is, what, this is what we do. We take those bad things and we transpose those onto the character of God, don't we? 
Because when things happen in our lives, it begins to shape us. And not only does it begin to shape us, but it begins to shape our thought of who God is. And so pretty soon, the bad things that have happened to us begin to define who God is. When in reality, what defines who God is, is his word. And if you read it from front to back, you will find a good, merciful God who loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. The question today is not, is God good and does he have a plan for my life? The question is, will we trust him in his plan for our life? And so we take these things that begin to shape us and it begins to shape our image of God. For example, if you had an abusive father, guess what God probably tends to look like to you? An abusive father. He looks angry. Always ready to smack you upside the head if you did something wrong. It's like a tyrant. But I want to tell you today that, that our experience cannot define our, define our understanding of God. God's word defines our understanding of God. And the Bible is very clear that he is a God of love, a God of mercy, and a God who cares for you dearly. I can't tell you why things have happened. All I know is this, God works all things together for the good. Those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I don't know, I don't know why um, several years ago my, my wife Susan had cancer. I don't know. I don't know why my dad had a motorcycle wreck that left him literally almost in bed for five years. I don't know why my mom had breast. I don't know all. I can't see the whole plan. I don't know why my dad had to get his leg cut off this past August. I don't know. But this is what I do know is standing here before you today, as sure as I am standing here and as sure as you're sitting there, God is good and God has a plan for your life. The question is, will we trust him in that? Will we trust him? Judges 6, 13, the the next section there. Gideon replies in this way. He says, where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. I believe the third thing that Gideon says, the third but that he gives God is this. God, you did it for them. Will you do it for me? God, you did it for them. Will you do it for me? I run into so many people that they look at other folks' life And they're like, I believe God would move in their life. But I don't know if he'll move in mine. And people tell me that all the time. I'm like, come on, do what's on your heart. Do what God's put in your heart to do. You can do this. Step up and follow God. Trust him. Take your next step. You can do this. And they look at me and they go, I believe God will do that for you. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. And Gideon, in this moment, he's struggling with the same exact thing. And the question is this, Gideon's saying he moved in the past in other people's lives, but will you move in mine? Will you move in my life, God? Will you move heaven and earth to get to me? Will you step into my life? I want to tell you today, the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. 7.14, it says right here that the Lord again, he turns to him. He turns and looks at Gideon and says, go in the strength you have, Gideon, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. 
am I not sending you? He tells him again, I'm with you, Gideon. I'm sending you. Take heart. Take courage. Step in faith. Do what I'm asking you to do. You can do this, Gideon. Step up to the plate. And look at what Gideon says again. But Lord. And then it says that the angel of the Lord slapped Gideon in the face so hard that spit flew out of his mouth. It really doesn't say that. But that, wouldn't that be awesome? He's just like, just get up and go. But God, God didn't do that. But, but Gideon again throws out this, but Lord. And then listen to this. Gideon asks, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. The next but. I'm too weak. How can I do anything, God? How, how can I, how, how could I do this? Gideon is literally saying, don't you know who I am? You ever looked at God and said, God, don't you know who I am? I can't do this. There's no possible way I can do what you're telling me to do. There's no way I can take that next step. Listen, there are 700, 800 people in this auditorium. There's no way I can take my next step and stand up in front of people and say, I need Christ. There's way too many people after lunch and that long-winded preacher, he went way too long. I got to get to, I got to get to, you know, the, the, the restaurant and there's no way I can stop at a next step table. And plus, I'd end up in a connect group with people that are weird. I don't even know if I'd like them. You're probably right. But we're all weird together. You can take your next step. You can do what God's calling you to do. You can follow Christ. Will it cost you? Yes. But I can tell you this, it will never cost you more than what you gain when you gain God. Are you willing to look at it and go, God, I'm weak. But you know what the Bible says when Paul was asking God, God, you know what I need? I need you, Lord. I need you to remove this thorn from my side. There's this thing going on that everybody's been debating about for 2,000 years. I'm like, hello, you're not going to figure it out. Just hush. And everybody's got their theory. Well, I have figured out. No, you haven't. And, but there was this thing that was ailing Paul. And you know what, Paul? God ends up telling Paul, he says, Paul, just chill. My grace is sufficient for you. He said, my power or my strength is made perfect in weakness. So what God's telling us today is this. If you're weak, then it doesn't make you unable. If you were weak, that means that you are a perfect candidate to be used by God because God loves to use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. So if you're here today and you're like, look at who am I, God? You're really going to change the world through me? I would say yes, if you'll yield. Are you really going to change people's eternity and their direction forever through my life? I would say yes, if you'll yield. Are you really going to do a work in my heart that, that from this day forward, my life is never the same? Yes. If you'll ask, if you'll yield, if you'll surrender, if you'll hold out your life and your heart and say, God, this is, I can't do this anymore. It's yours. God loves to use the weak things to confound the wise. When Gideon says this, I, if I were the angel, I'd have been like, duh. Don't you think we know this, Gideon, that you're weak? We've been watching you hide in this wine press forever. But you know what? When God uses weak people to do incredible things, amazing things, there's no way that we can take the credit, is there? No way. So God loves to use weak things. You think you're too weak to be used by God? 
I'd say you're in a great place to be used by God. It doesn't leave you unable. It, it, it actually makes you able to be a conduit of the power of God and the Holy Spirit in this life. I'll be honest with you. And if you've been around, you've heard me talk about this before. And, and I really believe this is just how I am. It's just how I'm made. One of the times when I feel the weakest is right now. Right now. Literally, every Sunday that I walk up those stairs or walk out from behind that curtain or wherever, get lowered in by cables, whatever it is, however I end up right here. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Like I'm flying in like this one day. That'd be cool. We need to do that. John, can you make that happen? All right, next week. Everybody be here. I'm flying in next week. Uh, but, but really, wherever I'm coming from, my prayer typically, I'd say 99% of the time, when I walk, off, walk onto this stage, my prayer is, God, you got to show up. Because if you don't, I'm in trouble and so are they. And usually when I walk off this stage, regardless of what happened, I go, God, you got to show up. That was terrible. But you know what? God has taught me that when I'm weak, he's strong. And you know what's funny? Is the Sundays that, that I feel like I did a good job, and like three quarters of y'all didn't go to sleep. I walk off and I'm like, wow. I remember one Sunday that, uh, that, that we gave the time at the end and, and this lady stood up for prayer, like saying, I need to, change something in my life. I need to get something right. And this lady like is so solid, man. She's like, like, man, she's like, ah, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, so solid. And she stood up for prayer at the end. And I was like, I killed that. I was like, spike the Bible, walk off the stage. It's like, woo! But you know what I've realized? I've been doing this long enough now to realize like, if anything happens, it's not because of how well I did. It's not whether the message was good or whether the message was bad. You know what it's de- dependent on? It's dependent on whether or not God showed up. It's not dependent upon my strengths or my weak- weak- weaknesses. It's not dependent upon how many funny stories I tell. It's not dependent upon how many amens I've got. It's like I've gotten like more today than I have in like the whole month. So I'm like, yeah, amen. It's, That doesn't matter. You know what it's dependent upon? It's dependent upon the power of God showing up amongst his people. And this is the thing I can tell you is when you're ready to step in and you finally go, God, I'm taking the plunge. I'm stepping in. I'm taking my next step. I'm doing what it is. I know I'm supposed to do for you. You know what it's not about? It's not about your strength. It's not about your ability. It's about the strength and the power of God. And the fact that he says, when you're weak, I'm strong. Now just step in and do what I told you to do. Just take the step. Just trust him. You know he's leading you. Take the step. The next one, I would tell you, the the fifth one, the last one, is this. Look at verse 15 again. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The last but is this. God, how am I going to do? Not only is my clan the weakest, are we weak, but I'm the least of my clan. How are you going to use us, God? How are you going to do anything through me? Don't you know? Let me help you. He knows, right? He knows. And he's saying, God, I'm the least. How are you? Listen, people, who did Jesus come for? The least. 
If you look at yourself and go, I'm disqualified because of my past, I would say this. You're a good candidate to be used. If you look at yourself and go, there's no way I can do this. Look at the things I've done. Look at all that that I've screwed up. Look at my past track record. You know what? God is the best at taking nobodies and using them to do something incredible in the world. In fact, he really, really, really delights in it. First Corinthians tells us that, that God loves to use the dumb things of the world to confound the wise. Hello, right here. I did, I I was two quarters pre-med, so that ought to say something. But really? God? Me? I'm just like a dumb redneck from South Georgia. And God's like, I want you to preach my word. I'm like, why? Because you're dumb. And I'll get all the glory. All right, God. So when you feel like you're the least, when you realize, like, I don't really have anything to offer God, you feel like, man, I've done things, that, that there's no way you could use me. That's why we have a God who is merciful, who is gracious, who, who came to save us so that we can step into what God's called us to step into. That we can do what God's called us to do. We can take our next step realizing that it is not even about me. It's about God's glory, and it's about the other people that my next step is going to impact. You can do it, not because it's about you, but because God desires to do it through you. I think the best place you can be is to realize I'm weak and I'm the least. Think about it. Jesus came for the sick. He came for those who were down and out. The people he rebuked were the religious people. The people he rebuked were, were the ones who were in church every Sunday, right? They thought they had it all figured out. Like, I'm perfect. Jesus is like, no, 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 you're really not. He said, but you know what? This, this lady that was caught in adultery, um, I can use her. I can use that lady. This guy who's been a tax collector all his life, and, and he's been, been stealing, and he's been robbing people, and he's dishonest. You know what? When I get a hold of his life, and when I get a hold of her life, and I give them a new start, and I fill them with the power of my spirit, I can use them. You know, the awesome thing that the scripture says is that he who's been forgiven much loves much. And when you love much, you'll do anything. See, I realize, like my background, man, if you knew, when I meet people that they're like, I remember you when you worked back at so-and-so, I'm like, first of all, let me tell you, that's not me anymore. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. No, I'm serious. That's not me. Because I'm always afraid, like, somehow that past is going to come back and they're going to be like, man, I talked to you on the phone. You were a jerk. Sorry. But God makes us a new creation. God gives us a new heart. God sets us on a firm foundation and he begins to use us in ways that do do things that we can never do on our own. I am telling you people, if you will trust him, you will step, you will see God do amazing things in you so that he can do amazing things through you so that you can see people come to know Christ, that you can be a tool used in the hand of God to change the world. That ought to excite you. That God would use me to do something that only he could do. That's what he's calling the church to. That's what he's calling you to. He's calling us to take our next steps. Then we lock arm in arm together as we take our next steps together. And the church becomes an unstoppable force that changes the world.
Here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. I'm about to wrap up. I got three and a half minutes. I don't know why I told everybody I was going to do this in 35 minutes this week, and what the heck was I thinking? Um, but here's the thing. Gideon literally, he had, he had a lot of butts to get out of the way, didn't he? A lot of the things that were hindering him from taking his next step. But listen to this. This is amazing to me. Listen, if, if, if you have a Bible like mine, which you probably don't, you can flip over one page. But if you look at chapter 7, verse 15, this is, this is what, what Gideon says. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, if you're looking at the guy in in chapter six, who had all these butts and all these things that were in the way. And then you flip over to chapter seven and you get to verse 15 and Gideon charges into this, this Israelite camp. They're all there. He's told them we're going to war and he walks in. And instead of being this weak guy who can't do anything, he walks in, looks at him and says, get up. God's given them into our hand. Let's go. Isn't that awesome? Get up. Let's go. It's time. And I thought about that when I read it, I was like, what happened? What caused that change? What is it that made him go from this scared guy who made all these excuses not to do what God was calling him to do to this this man who's willing to step up and do whatever it takes to lead Israel into a great victory against Midian? As I went back and read it, I, I realized this, that generally what happened is God revealed himself to Gideon. Specifically what happened is God revealed himself to Gideon through four signs. The first one, Gideon meets the angel. The angel's telling him all these things. He's like, hold on, hold on there, angel man. Listen, let me go and prepare an offering for you. And so he goes in, he kills a goat. He fixes the goat. He brings it out. He says he puts it on this rock. And then the angel of the Lord takes his his stick, his staff, and he reaches out and he touches the stone. And he goes, and just engulfs the sacrifice crazy right Gideon's like oh I have seen the Lord I'm doomed and he's like just get up Gideon let's quit playing these stupid games the next one is this Gideon's like God if this is really what you want me to do then I'm going to throw this fleece out on the ground and I'm going to put this fleece on the ground this is what I want you to do just put some dew on the fleece and not on the ground then I'll know you're with me so he like throws a north face or something out there and he's like okay God do this and the next morning he wakes up guess what the north face is wet the ground is dry he takes it and actually wrings water out of it. He's like, oh, and he goes, God, um, don't get mad at me. But could you do that again? He said, but this time, I want you to make the ground wet and the fleece dry. So he throws it out there again. The next morning, he gets up and he walks out and guess what? The, the ground is wet, the fleece is dry. He's like, oh, okay, cool. So then he starts taking his next step to go and do what God's called him to do. But then God, knowing his heart, looks at him and goes, Gideon, are you still scared? Let me tell you what to do. Go down to the camp of Midian, where where the Amalekites and the Midianites and all these ites, they're all camped out together. Go down there and, and, and just listen to what they say. And so he sneaks down to the camp, he and his buddy, and they go down there. And, and, and they're listening. And this guy begins to tell his friend this dream. And he's like, during the night. You know, it's like you, you, you read that, you kind of start thinking, it's like, thus says the Lord, during the night. You know, and he's like, during the night, I had a dream. And this huge barley loaf came busting into our camp. And it went and it knocked over our tent. I'm like, dude, 
what did you smoke last night? That's what I'm thinking. But the guy that's listening to the dream looks at him and he goes, no, 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 listen, this could not be anything but the sword of Gideon. And so Gideon gets up and he's excited and he goes and he runs back to the camp and he goes, get up, people. The Lord has given Midian into our hands. So what happened? Man, God gave Gideon these signs. And when Gideon saw these signs, he was like, the Lord is with us. And here's the thing I would tell you folks today. Listen, I doubt seriously that today, if this happens, call me. I doubt seriously today that you're going to be sitting eating your Sunday lunch and your, your, your fried chicken just catches on fire. I don't imagine that's going to happen. Probably not happening today. Or I I don't imagine this, that that you're going to get home and a barley loaf has crushed your house. Probably not happening today, right? If it does, call me. I I mean, like, that's awesome. So let me know. We'll we'll help fix your house. But, But this is what I would say. God has given us a sign. God has given us a sign that he is who he says he is, that he is for us, that he is with us, that he, he's going to be with us until the end. And I want to read it to you. It's out of Luke chapter 29. And, and listen to it, and then I'll explain it. Actually, not Luke chapter 29. I'm sorry. Luke eleven twenty-nine. Luke eleven twenty-nine. Listen to this. All these crowds are gathering around Jesus. And listen, it says, as the crowds increase, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Now, let me explain that because that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? The sign of Jonah, what? Can you do something else? But I want you to understand this. Jesus was looking at these people who were wanting a sign, trying to trip him up, trying to make him convince them of who he is. And this is what he said. I'm going to give you one sign. And it's the sign of Jonah. Those of you who heard about Jonah and you, you've seen the, been in Sunday school, whatever, and you heard about, you know, Jonah was the one that was swallowed up by the big fish. Don't say well. People flip out when you say well. They're like, the, the Bible does not say that it was a well. It was a big fish. I'm like, Whatever, it's a miracle. He lived, in the, he lived in there for three days. It's a miracle. And so, so Jonah, he was swallowed by this big fish whale-like creature. And then for three days, he's inside and he cries out to the Lord. And then he, the, the fish pulls up to the bank, like, I mean, like parallel parks next to the, the shore. And he's like, Bleh. And Jonah hops out. Crazy. But, but Jesus looks at that story and says, the only sign that will be given is the sign of Jonah. What might that be referring to? His crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus was in the grave for three days. Jesus died. He was in the grave for three days. But on the third day, Jesus rose again. I don't know. I got chills thinking about it. That is awesome. Like, I don't know, my hair grew or something. Like, but that is so awesome. He says, I'm going to give you one sign. They had no clue. Like, is he going to get swallowed by a fish? What's he going to do? What was he saying? I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. But I'm going to raise it, be raised again after three days. And he said, this is your sign. And you know what's amazing about that? For the unbeliever... 
It's the only sign that is given. But for the believer, it's the only sign that's needed. And what I would tell you is this. If fear is hindering you from taking your next step, you would even say, I'm struggling with being a coward right now. I'm struggling with trusting God enough to take my next step right now. This is what I would tell you. Look at the cross. Look at the resurrection. Open your eyes and pray that the Lord would open your eyes, that you could see the cross and look into the eyes of a Savior who did everything for you, who gave his life for you. And because that is proof that God is with you. Listen to me. When you look at the cross and you see the courage of Jesus, does it not give you the courage to take your next step? When you look at the cross and you realize that if God did that for me, is there a limit to what he would do? No. You can take courage when you look at the cross and you look at the resurrection. You realize that he is alive, that he is with you. If you're a Christian, he is in you. Take courage. Take your next step. How about this? How about this? Will he do it for me? This is what I would say to you. I don't think the question is, is will he do it for me? I would say this. He's already done it for you. He gave his life that you could find life. He died on a cross. You look at the cross and you realize God did it for me. When you begin to wonder, will God move in my life? Will God do what he's doing in other people's? Will he do what he's supposed to do in my life? Will he really be faithful? Look at the cross. And I would say that based off of his track record of faithfulness, you can trust him. What about, what about the fact that, that, that well, God, is it, does, does, will, he, will he really you know, love me the way he loves everybody else? Because here's the problem. If we don't really think that God will move in our lives, the problem is with the love of God. We, we really don't realize that he loves us. I would say this. Look at the cross. There's no greater evidence of his love than the cross upon which he died. And I would say this, if a bloodstained cross does not move our heart, what's going to move it? If an empty tomb does not convince us of his power and his ability and his desire to move in our lives, I would say this, we will not be convinced. What about the fact that we're too weak? Listen, man, Jesus came humbly. He willingly went to the cross to, to, to many people, a sign of weakness. But you know what? On the third day he rose and the power of God that raised him from the dead resides in you if you've come to Christ. Fan that thing into flame, man. Cry out to God, God, use me. When I'm weak, you are strong. Do what you can do through me. And if you think that you're the least, man, the cross ought to be the greatest news that you've ever heard. The fact that he died, the fact that he was raised ought to be the greatest news because God takes sinners He takes people who are not and he makes them something that they would have never been when they begin to trust in who he is. And see, here's the thing I could tell you guys. I could tell you this. I could give you some convincing proofs that Jesus died and rose again. Tangible proofs. And like, like, for instance, the changed lives of the disciples, right? The changed lives of the 11. They were scared. They were running. They wouldn't do what God called them to do. They wouldn't do it. And then all of a sudden, bam, they're like, we'll preach the word. And if you have to kill us, kill us. But we're going to preach the word. Why did that happen? Because they saw a dead man raised to life. And the power of God that raised him from life infused their lives. Period. 
Why else would they have done it? Listen, men will die for a lie that they believe to be true, but they will not die for a lie that they know is false. They knew. They saw. How about Paul's change? Remember Paul on the road to Damascus? He's like riding on a horse. All of a sudden, bright light. Paul's life's changed forever. He wrote most of the New Testament books. Why? Because his life was changed forever. Because he encountered the resurrected Christ. He was a murderer of Christians and he oppressed them every way he could. And listen, after his encounter with the resurrected Jesus, his life changed forever. You can look at that, if nothing else, the billions of lives that have been changed over the last 19 plus centuries as evidence that Jesus has died, that he has risen again. And so this is what I would challenge you with. What is the but that you're struggling? What is keeping you from following Christ? What is it that's hindering you from from following, from, from, from fully going in, all in, saying, I'm with you, God, I'm following you because I know you're with me. Whatever it is, I would say this to you today. Look at the cross and look at the resurrection. Because that is the sign that God is with us, he's for us, and he will use us. Today, what I would tell you is this. This is my prayer for you. This is my challenge to you. I would actually take um, Luke, or Judges verse six, or chapter 6, verse 14, and Judges 7, 15, and I would summarize it this way. Get up and go in the strength that you have. You may say, I don't feel like I got any strength. Well, God already sees the strength that's in you because it's his strength, and he's saying, I'll go with you. I would say, get up and go in the strength that you have. Well, I don't think I can do that. Well, it's not about what you think. It's about what God's called you to do. And he's going to call you, not call you to something and not be faithful to accomplish it. Are you willing to take that step and follow him? Are you willing to look at the cross, look at the resurrection, realizing that I've been infused with the power of God and take that next step? One of the things I want to encourage you with today is this. We, we did these nifty little cards. It says Connection Church on one side. But listen, the, the real key is on the back. The important thing is on the back. It says, get up and go in the strength you have. And we want you to take this with you and we want you to put it somewhere that you'll see it. Put it on your dash, whatever, next to your girlfriend's picture, whatever you want to do. Put it on your mirror at home. But somewhere where you'll see it early in the day, put it in your Bible. And when you see it, I want you to remember the cross and I want you to remember the resurrection. I want you to think about all the things that could have hindered you, but because Jesus overcame, you can too. And let this be a reminder that you can do what God's called you to do, that God is for you. He's done everything. See, when Jesus went to the cross, this is what happened. He died a death, but not just any death. He he died the death that we deserve. He died a death that, 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 that we, we should have been in that place. He took the wrath of God because of sin. Literally was punished so that you and I wouldn't have to be. He, he took our punishment. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again here's the good news we trust in him for life we trust in him for salvation we trust in him to take the punishment that we deserve we trust in him for all things then you and I are forgiven 
you and I are set free. You and I can walk in the power of God and do everything he created us to do. That's our call. That's why we're here. No greater joy, no greater privilege than to be in a relationship with the living God. Here's my question for some of you. For some of you, I I believe that you've probably been making excuses for not letting that happen. Maybe there's been some buts in the way, but I'll do it sometime. When's that time going to be? But, you know, if I I come to Christ, I'm going to have to change things. Listen, you don't change anything. He changes you. If I come to Christ, you know what? It's going to cost me all this stuff. It'll never cost you more than you can gain more than you will gain by a relationship with God. And so for some of you, I'm going to ask you to take your next step right now. I'm going to ask you right now, right where you are, you know that today God is calling you to trust in him for salvation. God is calling you into a relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. And today, the one step that you have to take, that you know right now, I need to take this step is a step to trust in Jesus for salvation that you've, you've never take it, taken it before. You may have been in church for years. You may have been to Bible studies. You may have prayed. You may have been on mission trips. But the reality is, and the question today is this, have you trusted in Jesus for salvation? If not, then today, maybe God is knocking on the door of your heart and saying, listen, I want in there. So you would say this today. I'm gonna ask you to be very bold. Jesus was bold for us. We're gonna be bold for him. Be very bold right now, right now. When I, when I count to three, this is what I want to do. I want you to stand up. If you today would say, I need Jesus in my life. I need a relationship with God. I'm tired of making excuses. I realize that through the cross, through the resurrection, Jesus overcame for me. And now I'm going to live in the life that he has called me to. I want to know when I count to three, I want you to stand. Just stand up, man. And we're going to celebrate your decision like crazy. Today's the day you take your next step, the step of salvation. One, two, three. Who's here today that needs to make that decision that I'm going to trust in Christ? Amen. Let me, uh, let me say something real quick. I don't know how many of you know um, Jeremy in the back. But Jeremy has a fear of people. I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but, but it's hard for Jeremy to walk in here. That's why he's sitting in the back row, right? This man stands up to confess his need for Christ. What an example. So here's my question. Who else? Jeremy can do it. Who else? Are, you gonna, are, are we going to allow fear to hinder us from taking our next step with God? Anybody else before we close? You know today I need to take this step and come to Christ. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray for you. We'll, we'll love on you. Amen. Praise God. Listen, this is what I'm going to ask. Don, will you grab Jeremy and, and, sir, when we pray, will you go out here and let these folks pray with you and just help you with your next steps? Listen, for those of you who know 
that my next step is to trust in Christ and maybe you just didn't stand up. We love you, man. We want to see you take that step. You can walk out these doors over here and we'll pray for you and pray with you. Help you take the next step after salvation because that's not the end of a journey, it's the beginning. So you know that you need salvation. Listen, we're here and we'll celebrate that with you. For the rest of you, I want you to know you can do what God called you to do. And when you get up today, get up and go in the strength that you have because God is with you. Let's pray.